Yo, Chad, what if I told you there's a platform that could completely revolutionize your hiring strategy in a matter of hours? Yeah, I'd call bullshit. Well, it's not bullshit with AI for jobs powered by our friends at This Way Global. Okay, I'm listening. Uh, While everyone else is fishing in the same old talent pools, AI for Jobs can source over 160 million diverse candidate profiles. This Way Global has established unique partnerships with over 8,500 trusted diversity partners. So wait a minute. All of the hard on-the-ground work is already done. That's right, Cowboy. You can discover 300 qualified candidates per job rack instantly. Wow. It's like having a candidate sourcing magic wand. (laughs) Dude, if you had a magic wand, you would have Mexican pizzas all day. Mm. Uh, Stop distracting me, Sowash. AI for Jobs Advanced Matching Algorithm analyzes past applicants using trillions of historical matching events and over 1,600 data points. Now that is what AI should be doing, saving recruiters time on sourcing while they provide a white glove candidate experience. Let's wrap this shit up. I'm hungry. Listen up, kids. Revolutionize your hiring process today by jumping over to thiswayglobal.com and checking out AI for Jobs, where you can learn more about how to leverage AI for your recruiting instead of just writing poems and grocery lists. That is thiswayglobal.com. We out. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, rash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh, he's had a bourbon or two. Jesus yeah. Christ. What's up, everybody? We're live from the ISIMS Inspire Conference in beautiful San Diego, California. I love it. I am your co-host, Joel Cheeseman. Joined as always, Chad Sowash is my co-pilot. And we are excited to welcome Vanessa Burnaby, VP of Global TA at Avalara. Vanessa, welcome to the uh, podcast. What the hell is Avalara, first of all? We are tax compliance software. So sexy. <laughs> yes. So sexy. But not sexy, but, but they necessary. Need people Two things to do guaranteed in life, right? Death and taxes. Death Ooh. in Texas, I, I quote. I bet she never uses that. Never. <laughs> I quote Kelly Bundy. Death and Texas are in the only Texas, two things, yes, definitely in life. Um, so Day one at the conference, what stood out to you? What blew your mind? What are the takeaways? Yeah, great first day. Uh, some really good, inspiring speakers. The right answer is I love the Chad and Cheese I segment. mean, of course, you guys <laughs> finished out the day. She wasn't happy she didn't get a beer, but um, this, I'm sorry. Well, I haven't had a beer, beer yet. We'll do better next time. Thank you. I mean, a, a lot of the data that Rhea Moss went through was great just to see. And really like, comparing the beginning of COVID with where we are now and the fact that actually the data is the same. I think that is a great conversation with executives. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's we were in a pandemic. Now we're not in a pandemic. No, to see that there's... The same. Yes. Uh-huh. So talk about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think a lot of leaders have this expectation that especially with layoffs, uh-huh. it should be easier to hire. It should be faster to hire. <laughs> we shouldn't have to pay them as much. Right? That like... 
right. employers have the upper hand. Are they watching the headlines too much? Is that the problem? I think they're watching the headlines. I think they're also seeing economic trends. I think the PE firms and the VC firms all have opinions. But those economic trends, in, in many cases, feels like it's bullshit. Agree. Yes. Maria said, you know, like, were you watching the first of the week or the, the latter part of the week? Yes. It's two entirely different narratives. Well, and you see folks in the industry who are asking the questions of, okay, if they're laying off and not hiring, why are you still hiring? different business, different market. Exactly. Like, why should we all be doing the same yeah. thing? Everything's being lumped into one big ball. Right. And that's not how the market works. It never has been. But yet right. we're getting these like point and click like, I don't know if it's clickbait or what it is, but it's driving me crazy. If it bleeds, it leads, Chad. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of bleeding going on. I just... Yeah. But I think data right now is so critical for the business case and yeah. to help leaders understand what's really going on in the market. You know, when, when I look at our data just from Q1, right, not much has changed. Our offer acceptance rates, pretty on par, pretty stable. You know, we're still seeing offers declined. We're still seeing candidates with multiple offers. Uh -huh. So I'm not seeing major changes in the market based on the talent that we're trying to hire. So it's in our notes here that you uh, chose iSIMS after being with another vendor which uh, that you had been with for eight years. Changing ATSs is a major decision. A lot of listeners and companies out there are probably in the same shoes you were in changing vendors. What was the catalyst to, to go a different direction? What was it about iSIMS in this in this particular case that made you make the, uh, the jump? Avalara was going through an immense amount of growth. Uh, and so we needed a system to really support that growth and help the company scale, help TA be more efficient and effective. And what we had previously wasn't keeping up uh, with our demands. So we looked at lots of different vendors, uh, including my former employer, and ISIMS just proved to be the best option for what we needed. Do you want to name your previous employer? People can find it. It's the internets. So your focus and really passion at this point is on talent networks, which mm -hmm. I think is interesting because back in back in the I don't know late aughts for goodness sakes mm -hmm. we, we really started to talk about Avature was a platform that was literally the, the premise of the whole thing was talent networks right are we just finally catching on to this or is it just like TA just didn't get it right in the first place I think many teams have aspirations for this uh -huh. what are the aspirations that's the question I mean wh where are they going Okay, well, I, I know what my aspirations are, okay. right? Which is, let's work smarter. Let's take advantage of all the candidates that we already know, who we know are interested in us, who have the right skills. Uh -huh. You know, whether that's the silver medalist candidate that we just didn't have a second job for. Yes. Great candidates we've met at events. Yes. Boomerangs, which we know are increasing. Uh-huh. Right, and really nurturing and building those relationships. We know that matters immensely with diverse communities, right? especially in tech, where there's a lot of mistrust around the culture and environment that will support their careers. And so if you can really build those one-on-one -on -one relationships with them, invest in that relationship, it will matter when you have the right job at the right time for them. You end up with the right candidate. So focusing on the biggest asset you have, which is the candidate database, mm -hmm. because you spent more money on driving candidates, I'm just gonna say in general, mm -hmm. most companies do, you spent more money on creating a candidate database than you did on tech. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. 
And for the most part, most companies, they, they create this lead database with great leads that are silver medalists, bronze medalists, qualified individuals, doesn't matter. Right. And then they totally abandon it and they just continue to spend money, spend money, spend yes. money. Yeah. So you guys, what I'm hearing, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're looking more to internalize and look at that, that asset. Correct. And start to keep them warm, engage them, and they, they might already be in a job. Next six months might not be a good option, but in 18 months might be might be a hit. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So talk about that. Is that one of the reasons why you chose the tech that you went with? Number one. And number two, how are you starting to build that? Yeah, so it's it is definitely partially why I built the tech having uh. a fully integrated platform like iSIMS, right, where you've got CRM in addition to the ATS. Right. And now with their upcoming matching and yeah, the matching engagement scoring candidate experience management, mm -hmm. right. And all the automated marketing, yeah, that's phenomenal. And there aren't a lot of other systems that are fully integrated. Right. And so when you think about adoption for your talent acquisition team, I think it matters because I've done it elsewhere where you bolt on a system. Adoption is super low, right? Because recruiters are like, I have another system I have to go in. It surfaces candidates and then they're automatically invited to apply for the job. Right. So at this point, why are we trying to use recruiters to, to get to them to adopt a new process? I don't understand it in the first place. Yeah, well, I think you have to set up as much automation as possible, uh -huh. but I do believe there still has to be a human on the back end. We're in the process. I think it depends on the company. I would say for Avalara okay. at the beginning, because again, nobody knows who we are. Yeah. Right. And so our employer brand isn't on par with any of the big fang companies or whatever. Right. And so but we know we have great opportunities and a great environment for people to work in. Yeah. So the moment we can get somebody on the phone, we can get them excited about the opportunity and get them engaged. So I think kind of back to talent networks, I don't think it's about quantity of candidates. I think it is about quality. Right. And so I'm not asking my team to go build a database of thousands and thousands of candidates, I'm asking them to focus on quality around critical talent areas, niche skill sets, where we know it takes a long time to hire, it's hard to find the talent, mm -hmm. right? So that we can improve cost, quality, speed in those areas. You mentioned boomerangs, um, which I don't think was even discussed today uh, during the, the conference. Big. Is that, was that an accident? or I guess a happy accident, was it Was it something that was part of your strategy, part of your automation stack? Talk about the, the boomerangs, because I think that's, that's an interesting topic. Yeah, I think it was mentioned once today. I can't remember who put a stat up there, uh, but we are absolutely seeing it uh, in the last 12 months. Uh -huh. But even, even prior to kind of the change in the market, going after alumni has always been part of my strategy. Yeah. Because even at a minimum, if they choose not to come back, we want them to feel great about where they've worked. We want them to speak highly of us, refer, right? And so if we continue to stay engaged with the alumni of the company. Yeah. So let's dig into that for a second. When you say part of our strategy, when we communicate, Let's get tactical on this. Are, are we talking monthly emails? Are we talking like alumni events? Talk about that. All of the above. All of it. Mm -hmm. What are you doing events wise? I want, I want to hear the events piece. And is booze involved? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So we haven't started back to in-person events just yet. We've done a okay. couple in um, our Brighton, UK office, smaller events. Well, UK, you know, booze is definitely involved. Definitely involved. Yeah. Yeah. Always. <laughs> in football. Yes. Uh, Pre-COVID, we did a lot of events. And we really just tried to focus on events that wasn't pitching a job. It was like a value add, right? And so for alumni, it's, you know, come meet the people you used to work with, right? Come meet teammates you used to work with wow. come have some drinks and it's some like a food family reunion a little bit right yeah. people bring some baked beans that. and you know and if they're willing to join your alumni network you know they still feel f- pretty positive about their experience working do you there. have any numbers around what percentage of former employees come back i don't I mean, are we talking 10 15 are we talking 40 50 what are we talking about no alumni close. network that's that's, that, 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 well, that's i think it depends on the size of your company right what's yours for ours uh less than 500 at this point but it's been interesting that's still great if you can pull 10 percent of that yeah that's huge but it's been really interesting in the last 12 months the number of employees who've called us and are like I would really like to come back, actually. How long are they usually away? Is it six months, a year? It's like three to nine months. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. Well, so yeah. you know it, it's not like a retraining that needs really needs to happen. You can just go ahead and plug them in yeah. pretty quick. Right. And for the most part, we've been able to find opportunities for them because these yeah. have been, you know, high-performing employees uh-huh. that we're happy to have come back. Yeah. I feel like this is a... a a quiet success. Like I feel more companies should be doing stuff like this. We're not talking enough about alumni networks and how companies are getting people to come back. It's yeah. a topic that the, deserves more attention. The one company that I know of that I think has been doing this for a while and doing it well uh-huh. is Deloitte. Yeah. Yeah. Deloitte's done just about everything. That is millions. <laughs> yeah. Everything forever and not, I mean, they, yeah, they've spent a lot of money on a lot of different right. things. Yeah. Yep. So it's talk about, uh, upskilling. I assume there are a lot of employees you get that are sort of newly out of school or, you know, not yeah. super, uh, veteran, but that seems like an opportunity to, to, to train these folks to take those positions that are upper level. Yeah. So that's a great question for Avalair. We're actually just starting our journey around that. Um, we were in a place of like grow at all costs, for many, many years. And we tend to hire very senior levels. And we're now at a place. Really? Yeah. Okay. We're now at a place where we're really focused on our entry-level talent. Well, that's not easy to grow at all costs and then just senior level. I mean, that's 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 rough. Yes. Yes. And it has put us in a position where we're really having to step back and reevaluate our workforce okay. and our teams and how we're structured yeah. and org design. Uh, and as well as like making sure that we're going to have the long-term career opportunities to retain these employees. Well, just a long-term, again, the long-term base of employees that you can bring up through the ranks, right? right? I mean, it's it's almost like a grassroots type of scenario. So right. yeah, that's it's, it's got to be easier going after the en- entry level. But mm-hmm. again, so what was the what was the the, the conversation, the discussion around that? Why? Where was the company looking at like senior mid level versus trying to like build your own? Was that was it necessary because there was a huge gap there within the the ranks? I don't know that there was a gap. I think okay. there uh, was a mindset that that the best, the most 
experience because they'll help us get the most done, right? And we have big aspirations and a lot that we are trying to build and put into the market. So how did that affect your diversity goals? You know, we haven't really gone after specific diversity goals until just recently. Okay. And so that that is a newer focus for us. Okay. And now we're focused on more of this entry level talent, right? New out of school and or, you know, people potentially changing careers. And so like age is irrelevant in all of this. Yeah. How do we build really solid onboarding programs yeah. and, you know, boot camps? Um, how do we improve our hiring process? Uh, we just implemented assessments that assesses like potential in candidates. Okay. Um, and so we've we've got this good objective input to say, okay, yes, like they meet this bar. We get them through our interview process faster, and then we make sure we've got really solid onboarding. Okay. And kind of checkpoints through onboarding to say, okay, like they're meeting the bar here, they're going to keep going. And since we're early in our career, like or in our journey, we don't necessarily have the data yet to see the success around this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a lot of excitement in the business, uh, and leaders are really embracing the model. So assessments, who do you use for assessments? Uh, Criteria Core. Okay, yeah. Yep. Yep. So that's helped actually quicken the pace. It has for and for our entry level, especially we've seen a good improvement in time to hire. Uh, the hiring manager sentiment is very strong on it. They're feeling like because they're only seeing candidates that kind of meet that bar, right? And they feel like the caliber of candidates that they interview has increased. Gotcha. Grow at all costs. Something my waistband <laughs> says every time I go to Chipotle. That is Vanessa Burnaby, everybody, VP of Global TA at Avalara. Vanessa, for those that want to connect with you, where would you send them? Go to LinkedIn, please. Yeah. Chad, another one is in the can. It must be dinner time because I'm bringing up Chipotle. We out. We out. Wow. Look at you. You made it through an entire episode of the Chad and Cheese podcast. Or maybe you cheated and fast-forwarded to the end. Either way, there's no doubt you wish you had that time back. Valuable time you could have used to buy a nutritious meal at Taco Bell, enjoy a pour of your favorite whiskey, or just watch big booty Latinas and bug fights on TikTok. No, you hung out with these two chuggleheads instead. Now go take a shower and wash off all the guilt. Let's save some soap, because you'll be back. Like an awful train wreck, you can't look away. And like Chad's favorite western, you can't quit them either. We out. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.